You're listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Hi, everybody. It is Monday, August to be 15th, back. 2016, and we are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me and Nancy. It's great to be back. Burns, mm-hmm. and we are back after everything. a week's hiatus yes. on the banks of Primrose Creek, which ate away the roots of a tree that fell, just missing the house, in beautiful downtown Sobury Village, Pennsylvania, and we are happy, uh, so happy to be back. Our producer tonight is the wonderful Jackal, Angel Espino. Say hello, Angel. Hello, Angel, and I'm happy that you guys are okay and that tree didn't hit the house and nobody's uh, hurt. Wow. My goodness. This was, this was unbelievable, and uh, we, we, we just learned today that it was an ash tree, and our guest tonight is someone named Asher. Coincidence? I think not. When you see the preciseness with which this tree fell, tree, it's, it's longer than our house, longer than both our front yards and our side yards. So it went all the way as far as it could go, and it just kind of sheared next to the house. But a pine tree, the pine tree that's out our bedroom window, the pine tree that I talk to all the time, sort of my pine tree, um, it, it, it got severed in two, and I hope it will survive. No, no it wasn't severed. It, it is. It, I looked at it. it no, I looked it's at a it. No, no. If you look down, it's it's bad. But anyway, it it it, it took the brunt of the fall Thus keeping the, uh, yes, and if you go into chat, and I'll tell you in a minute, there's all the pictures. Thus keeping the tree from hitting the air conditioning unit and smashing it to smithereens, you know, the heat and air conditioning, and our generator, which was saved by the tree being held by the other tree. And there's a photo of that in chat. I put photos of all this in chat. Oh, yeah, and it was incredible. Yeah. Because our generator, because... When we installed it, we oh, but built by the way, a roof were... over the generator to protect it from the rain. The, the roof destroyed. The wooden frame destroyed. The generator still intact. Yeah, wow. but see, here's the thing. In the, in the second of the four pictures, you'll see the two trees kind of interwoven, like just like threading a needle. And when the guys came and they freed the tree, the trunk... Then, in fact, it did fall upon the air conditioning unit. Yeah, that was what that happened. That was unfortunate. We had tied all the lines up to keep the – because it was a big trunk but to the, keep but, the but, trunk from, from falling. Sure enough, uh, when they cut it up, down by the roots, the whole thing fell. Oh, and the cool thing is when you see the picture, the very first picture, you'll see that's the whole root system. It's very shallow. It was – this was um, um, on the side of the creek. And when they sliced the bottom of the tree, you know, when the when the tree guys came, the whole flap of dirt and stuff went bloop, right back down. Yeah, that's what happened. It's, 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 it's just, just a small right thing, but it's yeah. kind of the fun. So no more talking to this tree, huh? 
So oh, well, this tree, but, but here's believe the me, thing. I'm going to talk to those pine trees. Here's the thing. Well, you <laughs> Thank know, you, pine trees. As this particular storm was descending upon us, Bill was looking out the front door. We were both talking about the two trees that this was one of them that were they to fall would pretty much hit the house. The other one is way bigger and way bigger and we're going to have to have it wired or taken down. Yeah, and I'd rather have it wired because I love that tree. I, I don't love them so I much anymore. In fact, I'm going to become very, very, uh, you know, I was kind of nurturing some new trees around the property. I'm looking at them now like, Maybe not. Maybe I'll just get out the giant loppers and. When you nurture the trees, uh, other than talking, what else goes on? Nurturing trees. Oh. You feed them. You feed them. You feed them. And I know. I normally. I normally smoke them, but that's a different story. Oh, those trees. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> it, you know, one thing. I, I was never an outside person, and now I have it in my own yard, and it's very private. That that has to be a thing for me. I don't really like to have to talk to neighbors. If I'm going to go outside, because I feel like the outside, I'd like to concentrate on it and just kind of lose myself looking for mushrooms and things and stones and little things like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you basically tell the trees and bushes your problems as you walk by. You can't help it. You're always fussing on something. And so, you know, you start to weed and the and the tree kind of it feels like it hears you sometimes like, eh, like, you know. And it this does. tree that fell and another tree that mm-hmm. fell were always trees that I, uh, that I was worried about. Because yeah, but it also mashed the it roots. In our, when we first moved here, we didn't really know how to do anything well with the land. And so we thought, oh, a weeping willow would be the coolest thing. And we, thought, we bought what we thought was a weeping willow, but, but it it's didn't weep. kind of like a, just a wuh. And it got Only smashed. Bill weeped after he got the bill. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get it? Bill and Bill? Yeah. yeah. I get it. Anyway, so, so listen, um, in Florida, isn't there something happening in Florida right now in Miami? There's always something happening in Miami. Nancy, uh, what do you want I to just start? Keep my eye, I keep my eye out. I guess it's the just Zika the virus is, just, yeah, the Zika virus is hitting. Zika. We got zombies running around eating faces. This is a place where people get killed. Nobody goes to prison. In Florida, there's always something crazy happening in Florida. Oh, and also some of our other listeners, like, for example, we have Dan, who's in Louisiana. Uh, where's Wise Frog? What, what state? He's in Oregon, I think. He's, too, no, right? no. He's the Arizona tramp. Remember Arizona tramp? Arizona. Okay. I can't keep this straight. There's so many boys. Yeah, yeah. And so Danny, from, boys. Uh, Danny from Louisiana, or da- Danny from Nolens, is what we call Yeah, him. he surfaced again. Mm-hmm. Yes, saw... thankfully, too, because we were like worried that he was like, you know. I know. I know. Aces. It's, it's well, did kind he of make a... it through the floods? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't. That wasn't really the issue. It was something else. It was uh, something personal going on. But uh, he's okay. Everything's good. Danny from Nolens is back in business. Now we can only find Rich Giordano. What do you mean? What happened? He's been MIA for the last two weeks. But wait, no now idea. wait. But at the same time, didn't some? Didn't Jesse get married, or did Rich get married? No, Jesse proposed finally to his to his girlfriend. Oh, I thought he proposed and got married at the same time. No, no, they went to Mexico. They were, they went to uh, this little place down in Isla Mujeres. Why didn't they get um, married there while they were there? No, no, they just they got engaged and then, you know marriage comes down. And, and then and then they were kissing like this. Most likely it's like that, yeah. That's and that's actually Jesse making the noises. <laughs> yeah, so mazel to Jesse. Yeah, for real. Yeah, it's a great yeah, so- great lady too with him. So yeah, and so what's him. the story on Rich? Rich Rich is MIA right now? Yeah, we, we can't find him. He was supposed to do a show a couple of weeks ago with uh, Jeff mm-hmm. Willis and uh, just disappeared, never did the show. And then yesterday, uh, same thing, we couldn't get a hold of him, and he's been MIA since. 
Wow. Well, you know what? You run a very loose ship. I think that's the benefit of your ship. It's so loose that you really can't fall off of it. You can just kind of float beside it for a while, then you're yanked back on. I'm just saying. The rules here at PSN are... Oh, yeah. Why, all right, by the way, the Arizona tramp is in Ohio, he says. In Ohio? So why the hell are you Arizona tramp? What the, what the hell, man? Be the Ohio tramp. In right. Ohio. Oh, no, that, that's uh, LeBron. Uh, Never mind. Yeah, ask, LeBron, ask him, LeBron ask is the Ohio see. tramp. Never mind. That was a little anyway. joke. Very little joke. So our okay. guest tonight, who's our guest tonight? <laughs> okay, our guest tonight uh, was earlier on Skywatchers yep. um, in uh, July 25, I think, 26, last Correct. month, a couple weeks ago. Yep, yep. His name is Steve Asher, and he is a, I guess, a prison guard or a, you know, a... Um, what uh, there's well, a that's term right, that's right. He's a, a, he's corrections a CEO, officer. correction officer. Yes, yep. corrections officer. Yep. Um, and so for, but he tells a great story. But anyway, um, and between his own experiences, and of course, when you go and write a book or talk about this, other people tell you stuff, and so it's right, his own right. experiences and the experiences of others. But he gets off telling a story. And what a great guest. So I can't wait to talk to him. Because we'll come at it from yep. different angles. Um, probably. We'll see. We'll see. So tonight is going to be a night of ghost stories. Ooh. You know, I'm not really uh, too into the, those kind of uh, shows because I actually lived in a house that was a little haunted and freaks me out. And uh, I was kind of worried it was going to be one of those shows where he's going to come up with all kind of creepy things. And he That's did. That's right. But it was a really good show. I mean, he was probably one of the most entertaining guests we've had on dealing with that topic. Yeah. And, of yeah. course, he even talked about a possible abduction with aliens. And, he, you know, he doesn't know exactly. You know, it's a long story. I don't want to ruin it. I want him to say it. But good. great guest. Great, great guest. Yeah. So we will have fun. We will have fun. And we have we have guests lined up in for the next couple of weeks. We have Deborah Jane. Yeah. Uh, who is coming on. And also Israel. Jacob, Jacob Israel. My Israel. boy. Yeah. I could say that now because we're actually friends on Facebook now. Now, you've not seen – you know, I have not done enough research on Jacob because he's he seems like a treat. And I love the show. Um, but in the course of things, he there's not a whiff of anti-Semitism about him, right? Nope. No, none at all. And you you would know that, right? Of course. Well, do you, do you find that you will walk away from a website if it really offends you on certain levels and you just screw it? Okay. Yeah, well, that's that. That's I'd walk a, away. I'd walk away from. I mean, I mean, I I like to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But if it gets to the point where, like, I see his clear racism, sexism, mm -hmm. um, the anti-Semitic, you know, stuff on their language or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. if I feel that it's just extreme and the person's an asshole or an idiot, I yep. disassociate myself completely. Yeah, good. Okay. So here, here's something. Oh yeah, Bill has a story. He wants to talk to you guys. Yeah. This is spookier than a ghost story. This. Uh oh. Uh, this here we go. Real. No, this is real. This is not, this is not fake. This is real. In other words, this is not some wacko conspiracy theory coming out of left field. By, you know, That's our speciality. This is, <laughs> but this is a real thing. Uh, there is the headline. Okay, the lead is the white race is dying. That's the lead. These oh, but I've known that for years. With these statistics, though. Are, are really stunning that an entire racial demographic is shrinking and it, it, it is shrinking as rapidly as the polarized caps 
That's what is so scary. But it's- wait before you go, because I know you're going to talk about this, and I have a question that I formulated whilst sweeping the floor. How Have you ever seen the ads on TV for heritage or DNA or that, you know, that heritage? Right, the ancestry. Ancestry. Ancestry, yep, 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 yep. Okay. And the latest one is a lady saying, I'm a little bit of everything. And so right. I click other on the back. Okay. How can you you call someone white when you go back in Ancestry.com and you find out big hunks of their background are not white? And so the white race is only held together by a very narrow definition, Correct. like a definition of what is white, what's Caucasian, you know, which at, at, at which country do we draw the line? Right. Like my relatives come from Latvia. I was very thrilled Latvia showed up in the Olympics. Yay, Latvia. Yay, Latvia. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, you know, Latvia. Yeah. Um, uh, and so the white race is only, it only dips down. I mean, are Italians considered white? Oh, yeah. Are Sicilians considered Yeah, I mean, any, anybody, yeah. anybody who's considered Caucasian will be white. Yeah, they're Caucasian. Yeah, yeah, I know, but even I, I, there's I, even white Cubans, white Puerto Ricans, white Mexicans. For all the people who think Bill that uh, that Donald Trump that, is a racist, how can that be? How can there be a white because Mexican? because just like in the United States, Mexico is a multiracial country. There's white Mexicans, Indian Mexicans, there's black Mexicans, Nancy, there's Asian Mexicans in Mexico, cool. born there for many many decades, centuries. Uh, look, Mexico is as diverse as the United States. But the thing is, everybody, when they think of Mexicans, they think of the Indian Mexicans. Why? Because right. Indian Americans were driven from here, Native Americans, into Mexico. In fact, California used to belong to Mexico until we stole it or bought it, as they like to say. Or but, Cheech, Cheech, Cheech Marin yeah. is basically my Mexican role model. Well, he's, he's, a Me- he's, he's a Mexican-American. He is one of my role models in life, too. I love Cheech oh, Marin. I love, love that guy. I, I love him. Cheech Marin and, um, and, and one of the nicest And the guys. dude. I also love the dude. I was uh, We were babysitting last Ooh, week. Tommy I, Chung or, or Jeff Bridges? No, no. I love the dude, oh, Jeff, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Uh, oh, the dude. Love him. Yeah, well, well, I'll tell you, a really nice guy is Tommy Chung. Uh, we were, Tommy Chung is awesome. I mean, George you know Murray and I were doing a book signing together at... at um, one of the book expos a thousand years ago and Tommy Chong had just gotten out of prison and Tommy was in the like in 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 the stand the book signing stand what 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 they do for book expo is they just set up a bunch of stands and then there are lines that form in front of the stands for the various authors and so Tommy Chong was next to me so I basically nice. walked over to Tommy Chong, and I just, and that's how I got Nancy her Tommy Chong. And then because he said, hey, man, how's it going? No, I just <laughs> said, you know, Tommy, I know your story. You know, you are, like, really my hero. I mean, you did a really, you did a really great thing because he co-signed the loan for his son, and that was why he went to jail because that lousy yep. Ashcroft was right after Tommy Chong because of all those movies he did with Cheech Marin. So it was like um, Tommy Chung's head was basically the trophy for uh, John Ashcroft, who was the uh, attorney general. Tommy Chung did nothing wrong. Yeah, but see, now, All he did was sign, uh, he signed a document with his son. And so they went to him. The well, so they Department. entrapped him. Well, they by, entrapped him. They entrapped him Completely. by buying glass. Yeah. yeah but, and but, then they said to him, 
either you can go to jail or your son. Oh. And so Tommy stood up for his son and said, no, let my of son course. go, I'll go that to jail. That was wonderful. And that was wonderful. That, that to me. So yeah. I just – and what a great we were guy hugging now. each other and I was saying, you are a hero. But me. you know what's happening right today as we speak with the DEA, uh, what they've done? Uh-oh, uh-oh. You know, okay, there are five uh, five states right now who are putting legalizing marijuana on the ballots this Woo-hoo! fall. Big yeah, one, five different states uh, uh, legalizing it. Yeah, recreational, five. Uh, meanwhile, the crazy DEA, the crazy, crazy DEA, they're keeping it Schedule 1, but they're opening up um, a little loophole so pharmaceuticals can get in. In other words, we're keeping it schedule one, which means you have to come through us to get a license to grow for research. And only pharmaceuticals can afford that level of license, you see. So it's a creepy way to let the pharmaceuticals really get their foot in the door. Almost, I guess. It's a fix. I mean, yeah, because, but here's the thing. Every article I read about this, no matter how straight laced and how hooty toity the article, they all say it's insane to call this highly addictive and it's insane to say this has no medical value um you're uh, steve asher he was talking about he's adopted some kids and one of his children has an epilepsy problem as does chris brown pot is that's the reason they they made medical marijuana in pennsylvania in new jersey oh in new jersey for the and uh, pennsylvania some little girl well, here's the thing here. here's the yeah. thing um when i got bronchitis a month and a half ago mm-hmm. um i had to stop Everything I haven't, sm- and I don't do anything but smoke weed once in a while. I'm going to be honest. I haven't smoked in about a month and a half. Have not <laughs> craved it. Have not missed it. Nothing. I know. I so know. if anybody could tell you right off the bat that it's not addictive, is this guy it's right here? It's not addictive. It's exactly. totally not addictive. Exactly. It's not. Absolutely, it's yeah. not. Because I am chilling. I have no issues. I've had no problems without it. And if anybody's going to have a problem without, you know, it'll be me. Mm-hmm. So, That's right. That tells you everything you and, need to know. And, you know, and, and in the states where it is legal, it is just eating into the pharmaceutical profit margin because people don't care about creepy drugs that give you diarrhea and stuff and worse or constipation. Some of them do and and terrible addiction. Um, some of the different speakers, I think I want to say uh, I can't remember who one of the one of the uh, candidates uh, this his his spokes- oh Gary Johnson maybe maybe not but one of the spokespeople keeps bringing up the terrible toll of addiction on white America so go back to your white America story why is it oh no 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 I mean uh, why uh, I mean not uh, white America white men or yeah, white you, it, race it's really white men but also white women too um, older white women older white men. They are dying from all kinds but that's of causes. Nature. But also, one of the highest causes is suicide. Well, not only that, but remember, since you know, there's a lot more interracial marriages and, and couples getting together. You know, they're they're having. Uh, I, I would hate to call them anything else, but they're half breeds. You know, white and whatever or the other. Well, that's our um, one of our grand one of our grandkids. So. How about one how of our about mixed race? Mixed that, race. That's better than half breeds. Yes. Like mixed race. <laughs> yeah, you like that? Yeah. I, that's the half word breed. I was thinking of, Bill, but it just it didn't come half out soon enough. Sure. So I was like. Half sounds like half breed, breed sounds good to me. No, no, it's like a share <laughs> song. Remember, half breed. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then there's Chaz Bono. But anyway, I, I digress. Well, see, you really should, you really should someday um, watch a the, a British series called Absolutely Fabulous. Happens to be all women, mostly about women. It's insane, and they're coming. They just made a movie. Um, they're a comedy duo, but the early ones, and they often talked about. The mixed race babies as the what the Mercedes of babies? No, 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 the Chanel of the babies. Chanel of babies because everybody wanted 
a beautiful baby that had a little this in him, a little that, and they were calling them the Chanel of babies. Yeah, we so you know, I, you know, Tim yeah. Schwartz, uh, who has uh, the Outer Edge with Mike Mott on PSN Radio, uh, they adopted an Indian uh, child a few years ago. Like they've raised her as their daughter. You know, Tim Schwartz and Michael Mott are not a couple, are they? No, they're not a gay couple, Nancy. They're oh. they're a couple on radio. You see, it sounded like it. The they they may yeah, they may be an odd couple. Like, oh, oh. They they may be the odd couple of radio, but no, they're not a couple. Like no, they're two straight dudes. Tim Schwartz is married to a woman. He has a family, but they decided to adopt a kid, and they fell in love with this little baby who was from India. They adopted her, and you know she's his daughter. I mean, beautiful young you know young lady. She just turned eleven the other day. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful gorgeous. Girl. Yeah. Well, our little grandchild is half. Hindi? He's going. She's going. She's going. I want him to come. No, because what I want him to do. That's a real country, Goa. Yeah, it is. It's it's a real country. It's, it's in India. In India. And so. Yeah, it is. And, yeah, it's serious. And it was settled by Portugal. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Believe it or not. And, and the so, in laws, they just don't have any sense of humor about their name sounding like Goan. You know, like. Uh, you well, know. no. And so I said to my son, it's his kid, I said, you know, I'd love for. Um, the kids to come out here and they could, you know, do some lawn work and everything <laughs> else. And I said, and, and when he gets behind, you know, when he starts cutting the lawn, I'm going to call him the mowing going. <laughs> <laughs> I like Nobody that. Laugh. Yeah, you're the only person who laughed. Yeah, I like that. I'm but a funny guy. Too sensitive. So yeah. So there. That's there was uh, the New York Giants had this quarterback. It was very funny years and years ago. <clears throat> Uh, the New York Giants had this quarterback who came from Hawaii, and he was an Islander, right? He was a Pacific Islander. And so I forget, a uh, Berman, Chris Berman, the guy who gives all these funky names. Uh, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Right? On so ESPN, he, yeah. Yeah, so he called him the throwing Samoan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that, actually. <laughs> uh, I love Chris Berman. He's not, love- he's not doing, he does not doing uh, ESPN anymore, he's... No, I don't know where he went. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, he was. See, that's when the ESPN was really good, man. When he had Chris Berman on, he would say those funny things. You know, that's the funny But What happened to ESPN? But wait, but wait. Well, ha- have you, Angel, seen any of the Olympics yet this no, year? I, I, no, 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 no. no. I, I can't. I can't do that anymore, Nancy. No, I used to care about the Oli- I used to care about the Olympics in the eighties, early nineties, a little bit. But it, most of that stuff just is, is past me. You know, javelin throwing, gymnastics. If, if you, you saw, know. but if, uh, but if you saw no. Usain Bolt, but if you saw Usain Bolt, yeah, guy running fast. Yeah, this guy is so fast that he's actually running and he's turning around to look at the guy's behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, he better be fast. His name is Bolt. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Well, so this is his last. He said he's retiring. Oh, really? Well, that's kind of sad. Well, no, because what I want is for some is actually for the New York Giants to, to draft this guy. Do you know what a phenomenal oh uh, yeah wide receiver or... this guy would make? Oh my goodness! They, yeah. uh, they teach him how to block because he's he's big. He's not lit. He's 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 not a frail guy. He's a big guy. Right, right, right. They, uh, they teach this guy. I'm ter- I'm serious. This guy could be a split end. You couldn't catch him. Well, I think we have a future for Usain Bolt. I think so too. They Isn't uh, Michael Phelps back in the, the Olympics this year? Yeah, he, he he won a bunch more. His lifetime medal count is twenty two now, I believe. My goodness. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I remember back in the day, a long time ago, was a, a really sexy dude swimming guy named, his last name was Spitz. PJ Zimmerman, by the way, PJ Zimmerman is, uh, by the way, yeah. PJ Zimmerman in the chat room is saying it was the Raiders, Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett. Oh, okay. Who was oh, the, the, the Samoan. Samoan. Plunkett, who was the throwing throwing Samoan. You know, PJ is a, a really excellent artist who's been doing art in between um, the shows. Sometimes he'll send me uh, photos and things of his work in progress. And if he ever has an exhibition or something or puts his stuff up for sale, we will promote it. But anyway, he, he knows a lot of stuff. I guess he must. He knows the sports, too, apparently. I, I remember the, the Thorin Samoan. I remember that from uh, yeah. Chris Berman. That I do remember. I didn't remember the uh, player himself. But I used, I used to love the names he came up with, like, for the Marlins. Back in like ninety three, ninety four, like they had a player named Chuck Carr, and um, they, they started calling him like Chuck Key, like you know Chucky the character, uh-huh. Chuck Key Carr the killer, and he and named uh, Brett Barbecue, which is Barbary, mm-hmm. and he just came up with like really funky names. Jeff Conine the Barbarian was another one that was really good. He always came up with the best names. Uh, Gary the Chef on the Field, because his name is Sheffield, right. Uh-huh. Uh, there Love was that. an editor who who wanted me to do a um, a Chris Berman book of nicknames for everybody. Nice. That so he was a he long. was an announcer, Chris Berman. Yeah, he was an announcer on ESPN. Yeah. He was really okay. famous. Yeah. He also he would was, do like the uh, football games. He would do a lot of football games for ESPN. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. He was the uh, he was the game caller. He was the Al Michaels for ESPN. In well, fact, if, you, if it if wasn't if it wasn't him. for him, ESPN would not have been as popular as it was, Nancy. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, he made between, that network popular. Yeah, between Chris Berman and mm-hmm. um, what's his face? Um, now I I just forgot his name. Um, who's the guy who was the commentator on MSNBC? What was his name late at night? Um, the Cuban guy. Oberman. Oberman. Yeah, right? uh, Keith Oberman. Yeah, oh, Keith, Keith Oberman. Oberman. Between those two, well, yeah, it was a very popular network. I don't know. What why. about Harry Carey? Well, Harry Carey. No, was he was a. Cubs. Yeah, he was a, the Cubs announcer, yeah. Hey, folks, this is Harry Carey, and we're going to sing the national anthem. Oh, no, Carey, that's a seven-inning stretch. We're going to sing a seven-inning stretch, folks. That's how I kind of how he talked. It was pretty funny. Hearing him yeah, sing was just delightful. Then there was Red Barber. Then there was, uh, who was the uh, uh, the Dodgers? Well, it was Red Barber. Was it Red Barber? Oh, that goes did, back did, to did the Did our 50s. pal Art Rust ever speak on the radio? Was he a radio guy, Art Rust? Yes, but was he, he wasn't a, a game caller. Art Rust was the um, he was the guy that did that would come on the local New York network after uh, Howard Cosell on ABC. Ah, uh, Howard Cosell, another great uh, guy from uh, ESPN who passed away of cancer a couple of years ago. Um, Stuart Scott, you guys remember him? Yes, mm-hmm. I remember him. Ah, uh, he was great. Scott, man. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> Battled cancer for like almost what? Eight years. I loved Howard Cosell a lot because he was the first major announcer to embrace uh, Muhammad Ali after mm-hmm. he changed his name. Everybody mm-hmm. was mad at Ali, and 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 Howard Cosell basically stepped up, you know. And and uh, Muhammad loved Howard Cosell, and he called him Muhammad Ali. Absolutely. Everybody yeah. said, ah, I'm going to call him Cassius Clay. So now he's like, no, he wants to be called Muhammad Ali. By oh, God, I'm going to call him Muhammad Ali. And I'll tell you how he did. I'll tell you how he made the transition. Well, there are people who will never accept him, though, however. What? There are still people who will never accept him. I know. Same I thing know. with Cat Stevens. But what Cosell did was he began this whole controversy by calling him champ. 
Yep. And, and suddenly he was no longer Cassius Clay, he was champ. And yep. then he began calling him a Muhammad. I mean, huh. Ali loved the guy. Um, Shame Ali died too. I mean, all that, all that rope-a-dope stuff, mm-hmm. he absorbed all those punches. Ugh, gave, I don't know how he absorbed all those punches. Well, actually, I want to do a quick... Um, just a shout out. We have you a listener. Got a commercial in a minute here. Just Go a couple it. seconds. Yeah, we have a listener named Brenda who wrote to me um, a couple days ago, just saying hi and just telling me that she at one point had worked at the FBI, and it turns out that we were basically. It was the summer of 1966, and I was a reporter, um, and I was an escort to the National Spelling Bee champion. From our area. For a okay. second there, I thought this was going a completely different direction, Nancy. FBI escort. I thought this was going completely. No, soft. no, 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 no. <laughs> I was, um, I would, I was the grown-up escort to whoever won the spelling bee, and the kids' parents came along. But uh, I represented our newspaper, and I was also writing stories about this guy, this little kid who was the spelling champ, and he was competing against all the other newspapers entries because this was um, what's that big chain? This was one of the big newspaper chains sponsored yeah, this. Yeah, uh, Gannett. Gannett or something like that. But anyway, anyway, um, we went and uh, visited the FBI. We took a tour. And Brenda actually remembers that summer and all the noisy spelling bee kids on tour. They just kept going through and going through. And so here's somebody who's listening on the radio now to us. And she and I were like on opposite sides of a wall in 1966 Sort of marking that point in time. It's very weird. And the thing I remembered was in a case was a chapstick that was actually a little tiny microphone. And in 1966, the guys would put the chapstick in their jacket uh, cuffs. And then they would look like they take it out like they were doing chapstick, but they were really talking to spies and stuff. 66. It's so cool. Chapstick. The Age of Spies, 1966. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Way, if we're going to give a shout-out before we go on break. I have a shout-out for a, a really cool dude. Uh, he's actually listening tonight for the first time. His name is Dwight. He's uh, been a neighbor for 16 years, yeah. and uh, he's a gentleman. Uh, my mom, uh, uh, before she passed back in November, she had a, a fall outside the yard here, and he was 60-something from across the street, and he dropped everything some stuff broke oh. and everything just to run oh. towards her side and pick her up oh, and help her inside. And uh, he's been a friend of the family for 15 years. And, you know, I love the guy. He's a great human being. And shout-outs to him. He even messaged me. He's like, bro, send me the link. I want to listen in to you guys tonight. So, Dwight, shout-outs to you, my friend. You rock. Hey, Dwight. You're a, one of the heroes. Thank you, Dwight. One of the and heroes. we have to take our break And by now. the way, uh, another hero, if you have a moment, in the Louisiana floods, you see people helping other people get them out of their cars, including their dogs. It's heartbreaking, but ordinary citizens just move in and just do the job in Louisiana, too. That's right. Heroes. That's, you know, that's a nice part about where we live. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, North America, uh, in America. Well, so yeah, really I mean, know. I believe we had a really yeah, help. Yeah. I mean, that. That's one of the we nice things about it. People just don't walk around and see somebody suffering and just walk away. They actually help. Empathy. We have to take Empathy. a break. We have we to are a very break. empathetic country, which is good to Lead know. us to break, Bill. Go for it. Here's the break. So we <laughs> are your co-host, Bill, that's me, and Nancy Burns on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network. And we're back with our guest. Steve Asher. Steve Asher to talk about ghosts in prisons after this break. So, folks, stay with us for some phenomenal ghost stories. Yeah. 
no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954 3374 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Have you heard Mac Maloney lately? In your military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or... No. Holy sh- that was the uh, 10 seconds of... Uh, no. What are you that tra- was so convincing. Yeah, what are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. Unidentified flying something. Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the public streaming radio network. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes, that George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fellow. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. And we are back, everybody, with our guest, Steve Asher, who is going to regale us with some incredible ghost stories of what goes on. But first, but first. But first. But first. Steve, your um, book talks about penitentiaries, and you have been a prison uh, corrections officer, correct? Right. Well, I mean, I always called myself a guard. When when we hired in back in, uh, this is around 97, when I originally hired in, um, yeah, everybody knows. You just can say a correctional officer or whatever, but most people go, "Oh, you mean a guard?" So you get like tired. A, of okay, yeah, people. yeah. So you just well, go. Well, um, what what did you do before that? Well, uh, like I said, I've had uh, a various uh, sort of a, a path of here and there type situations. I've worked in radio for a little while. Uh, had worked in steel and concrete. I had worked uh, just different things like that. Uh, I've delivered. Office uh, office supplies, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, a little bit of here and there, but it seemed like corrections seemed to be the mainstay of what uh, of what I seemed to do well. Well, that's what your father did, right? Yes, ma'am. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was in there uh, in the Kentucky State Penitentiary um, as a, as an officer around fifty, I think fifty five to sixty, just about in that time. He had got just enough time in. 
to be able to move up into other law enforcement. That's a lot of times what people use corrections. Oh. You know, they use it as a, a foot into the door into state work. And, you know, and he went on into working in a police work and chief of police and that kind of thing years down the road. But, but yeah, uh, yeah, he was a, he was an officer there for, for a little while. He actually tried to dissuade me from starting there. He said, uh, which I took it as kind of a slight at the time being mm-hmm. a, you know, a young man, just starting a family. He said, I'd, you know, I hear you want to start there. And I was like, well, you know, the benefits are decent for around here. And he's like, I wish you wouldn't do it. And I was like, why? Mm-hmm. He said, I just said, I think, I don't think your heart's right for it. And, and it took me years down the road of living mm-hmm. that type of environment. And uh, yeah, he was kind of right with that, which eventually I moved mm-hmm. from that. You know I mean? I left on good terms, but I, I ended up going on and working with special needs adults, uh, special needs uh, uh, children, you know, we, we have uh, adopted children that are special needs and mm-hmm. we do a lot of advocacy for epilepsy and things like that. So it did seem a little bit more in my well house. So, well, did you, before you um, were uh, a prison guard, did you ever have any paranormal things happen to you? Yes. Or, ma'am. or well, only after? No, no. Well, I'll tell you what, um, always had had off and on and I'm not, you know, I don't want you to think I'm one of these folks that, you know, see a ghost or whatever behind every corner and, you know, every creek is a demon or something. And that's that's definitely not me. That uh, shadow, I, it's a poltergeist. That's not, you yeah, know, one of those it, guys. You know, <laughs> get it, Ray. You know, that kind of thing. No, that's, you know, I mean, and that's great. That's great entertainment, which I kind of chafe at that kind of stuff, you know, if you sort of see things handled like that. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I had had some experiences when I was younger and, and certainly it, you know, I have had uh, stories told to me as a kid of, you know, aunts or uncles or grandparents or something would have odd little thing visitations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, but and of course, you got to take all that with a grain of salt. But well, what uh, what is your what what nationalities are we talking about? Uh, your your grandparents and stuff. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I, I was hearing you guys talking about the whole uh, the, <laughs> white the, man, <laughs> the white man thing. And that's the thing. Um, like, OK. I'll give you a quick uh, little genealogy lesson on my end. My mother's family were mainly uh, mainly French Huguenots around the time of, like, from the bloodline of, I guess, when the Vikings were kind of inter- interbreeding with the French uh, royalty, I guess. Wow. But, do, you, do you know about the whole Sangre, the blood of Cristo? And yeah, the sangre? bloodline. The bloodline and everything. Oh, you're talking about like uh, Holy Cross? Or was it Holy, yeah. Cross, Holy Grail or something? Yeah. I know Holy, some, oh, I Holy know Blood, someone. Holy Grail. Thank you. Thank you for the correction. Um, I know some about it, and I think it's really interesting. Um, I, dirt, I certainly don't think you, I'm You next. better start Googling. <laughs> you better start Googling that bloodline, but go on. Uh, well, also, uh, was your mother sort of a very sensitive person in terms of feeling things in the air and things? She, I guess she, I guess she was. Both my parents have passed. I, both of my parents were gone by the time I was twenty six, and um, so it, I have to kind of look back on the memories. You hate to think that they fade, but they will, you know, somewhat over that that amount of time. But um, yeah, she she always had a pretty good uh, grip on things, and I always just thought it was like a motherly intuition, intuition, as it were. She pretty much couldn't get over on mom on much. Uh, but she would get like the feelings, you know, I'm going, I'm not sure what's going on this weekend, but something's going on. And then you might get a call. And, um, 
that didn't happen a lot. You know, if it happened every weekend, you know, the laws of averages is like, well. Well, the thing that your father said to you, though, that you might not have the heart for the job is an amazing thing to hear. You know, it's it sounds so wise and wise from experience, you know. Well, I can tell you on my father's end, and I'll, and I'll tell you real quick so you can kind of get the idea of the genealogy since we were talking about it. Um, we were originally uh, Ashursts, and as I understand it, we were Germans, German, uh, I guess, refugees that moved or fled to England for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And when they moved here to this part of uh, part of the U.S., long, you know, long, long time ago. It, they shortened it down to Asher, I guess, so to kind of blend it a little bit more, you know, and uh, and most of that, is, like I said, is probably German, English. But what's so funny, and, and I, it's one of those things, and everybody goes, oh, well, my great-grandfather was, you know, Blackfoot, or my great, you know, mm-hmm. but on my mother's and father's side, there was there was a close enough uh, connection with, with Native Americans, like my great-grandmother, which was my, my father's grandmother, Mm. was uh, actually on the Trail of Tears. We have something called uh, Big Springs and the Big Trail of Tears March. Wow. Uh, that, you know, obviously, you know, you know, the history forced a, a lot of Native right. Americans across. Well, Andrew Jackson, <laughs> President Andrew Jackson, he was the one that forced the um, Native Americans to walk the Trail of yeah, Tears. Yeah, he was a hated president, and a lot really of people are happy guy, that he, he was at least actually went the, to... It was funny. Andrew Jackson, who really fought wars against the Creek Indians and the Seminole Indians, he he actually was the first, like American blue collar president. Yeah, I would say that's I would say that's correct. And well, the thing that happened with my great grandmother, um, the p- mother and father's coming across. Obviously, it was a very arduous trip. And as I understand, <clears throat> the mother had passed away. They couldn't provide for the child, and a local family by the last name of Morris adopted her, mm. and you know gave her the name and. Which, you know, in one of those situations, too, in that time with, you know, just the racial issues and stuff, if you weren't, you know, lily white, you, they considered you colored or Negro. That's just, that, that's just right. And I was And that's I was going to ask you in, in absolute, because um, we can nowadays, and it's actually part of the narrative, what, what box do you check? Do you check mixed <laughs> or other, or do you just consider yourself a white man, you know, you know of the kind that we're talking about tonight? Well, I tell you, it's one of these things. And being from the South as well, because um, I was you know, born and raised here, which obviously it, I'm sure my accent just screams over this mic. It does <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Were you a half breed or were you not? That's the question. You know, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just kind of consider myself a human being. I mean, that's the best answer right there. Yep. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's definitely different. And before I don't don't think I'm going off on a tangent. Obviously, there's different cultural differences in different classes or races or whatever, and that's great. That's what makes everybody different, you know, and um, I love the fact that I do have – But the only thing, don't you worry um, that all the cultural things you're talking about, they come from the deepest part of a culture, uh, the the most pure of the culture kind of, the older folk who married their other – you know, like if you go to a um, a Pueblo – you know, it's the young people who are racing out and, you know, going to discos and so forth and meeting everybody and changing things. So don't do you worry that those cultures are going to disappear like like, um, you know, become extinct? Well, do you mean in regards of Native Americans or do you mean well, all of them? All of them. White 
Right. No, I'm talking about all of them. I mean, if the more blended we become, the less some people feel that they want to um, uphold their heritage. They don't want to wear, you know, their festival clothing anymore because they're only half right. uh, well, Samoan or whatever. Well, and, and then again, you have to look at that individual. It's their right. It's it's not – how do I say it? It's not their cross to bear if they don't want to be the, the voice for the Samoans or the voice for the white right. Americans or what, whatever, uh, you know. Which I think what happens is, I know from myself, being from a small country town, it's Princeton, Kentucky, it's about 9,000 people, and um, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't wait to get out of here. You know, I was a musician. I played, you know, rock and metal and punk and stuff. I was ready to go to New York or L.A. or Chicago and all those or places. Memphis. Or oh, Memphis. Oh, yeah. Well, I played Memphis. It's a great place. Um, what did, what did you, what do you play? Instrument-wise? Instrument, yeah. yeah. Uh, when we were in Memphis, I was playing guitar and singing. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Like I said, it was more kind of like because uh, you were talking about like California and all this stuff. Um, more along the lines of like a Black Flag or Dead Kennedys type punk. You know, it was a little bit more along those lines. It had you know definitely had political leanings and stuff. And uh, you know, so it was sort of one of those things where as music changes and obviously we talk about you know the way record companies have changed and everything is sort of it's not under the record company as much as anymore. It's sort of. Uh, a lot of the power is gone, so that dynamics changed, and so everything's sort of spinning up in the air, and everybody's trying to grab what they can and grab onto something and what stability they could. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's the thing with uh, you, you were talking about me playing music. Um, I still love to do that. It's just now at, at the point, and obviously I'm I'm 46. You know, it's kind of hard to be out there and doing some of that stuff and moving amps and jumping and all that. Um, at when you're getting a little bit older, I mean, because like I said, um, you know, not to mention, you know, I've got kids in college and stuff. You know, it's time time for Stevie to grow up, I guess. Which, well, there 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 was a short lived, a short lived uh, TV show called. It was based on, um, uh, t- you know, the Tiny Dancer movie, Roadies. It's called on TV. Oh, Roadies, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it looks pretty good, and it might break your heart, but. Um, Getting back, well, we should go back to, we, we need to go back to prison. We need to talk about Well, it. let's not go back to prison. <laughs> no, Nancy, no, no, no. So, we so can talk about it, you, but we ain't going back. So, uh, uh, so, Steve, when did you first become aware that there was uh, another reality? Um, I'll call it paranormal, but that there was another reality. Okay. I would have to say it was actually after the death of my great-grandmother. And um, this happened, I was relatively young, and it seemed like, and, and I didn't I didn't know that, you know, what Native Americans were so much. I just knew, you know, Grandma was, you know, looked like a penny. I didn't know. She was just very, very tanned and very, you know, the silver hair. And um, anyway, she passed, and it was, uh, I think, the next evening after her, her uh, burial, I had saw... I guess, uh, well, even now it's hard to describe it. I was looking out our kitchen window, which overlooked kind of like some magnolia trees and stuff. It's the south, so you know, you're going to have that and weeping willows everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looked like somebody was over, almost not on the porch across the, uh, across the yard, but above the yard. And I looked at somebody, it looked like they were in a small rocking chair, a real simple rocking chair. And it looked like my grandma, and she gave me, or my well, my great grandmother gave me a little knowing nod, like it's going to be okay. Hmm. And then I moved in the shadow, or I moved like to kind of get a better look. And it's like my image blocked her image, like 
that's behind me. So I'm obviously a small little kid. I turn around, about, about come off the little kitchen table. I was our little kitchen chair. I was on trying to get a glass of water, and it scared the you know the Jesus out of me mm-hmm. because I I didn't know I didn't know what I was supposed to do with that. And um, ever since I was smaller, I I would I don't want to say I saw things or more felt like more like I felt things. And I'm not trying to say I'm an empath, and I'm not trying to say I'm a sensitive, but definitely things like that would happen and. Well, what? after after your years at the prison, can you still say that about yourself? Don't you think at this point you can really feel stuff? You know, I'm probably, <clears throat> and I'm trying to word, word this correctly because I don't want to sound disingenuous or, or yeah, silly. Um, I would probably say at this point I would, I'm probably closer to what I would consider a, a, an empath. Um, you know, I do pick up on stuff pretty well. Um, I have a relatively good gut instinct on things generally when i haven't followed my gut it ended badly um and yeah definitely you get in a situation where be it a prison be it in uh i mean and i'm not comparing myself to you know a a fighting man but the military or something like that certain things certain senses and things become honed and um it's second nature and i think that's what happened uh because there was quite a bit of activity uh that happened inside of that place. I mean, how could it not? Uh, and I'm not one of these people that says, well, I've been to jails and places and picking up and transporting inmates in my years. And, you know, I've never really got that prickly, you know, goose flesh type thing. But uh, it was a constant in the prison, uh, Kentucky State Penitentiary. It was just so many years. I mean, you know, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe 1889 is when it went online. Um as a functioning prison, it had it had, had uh, some years of buildup. And what you got to understand, they had had inmates come in and help build the walls. I mean, they literally built their own cages. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, well, can so- can you describe like take us like you leave your you you park your car? What do you go into? What what does it what is it like to leave regular outside world and enter your workplace? Basically, well. You know, being a guy from the South that had mainly did, you know, radio and some construction and this and that, um, most guys here, especially if you're uh, an engineer or anything like that, you usually will carry uh, maybe a pocket knife with a screwdriver in it or anything right. like that. Uh, right. You know, but that you have to get, get completely security minded. You can't go in with anything like that. You can't go in with nail clippers. You can't go with anything like that. Even if, uh, say, you had a keychain, I'm sure you've seen people with keychains with. Um, bottle openers on them are well, back maybe more back in the day, but bottle openers are like mm-hmm. where they had drilled through like a a bullet casing or something. You know how especially young guys are. Kinda. So, in other words, so, uh, a prisoner could take it right off of you and and hurt you with it. It's not so much a thing of that. They just go, this can't come in. I mean, just like a cell phone, you can't bring cell phones in. Okay. Uh, you know, because obviously, a you could. I mean. Don't know what your reasons for bringing it is in anyway, because they basically want to hear any conversation coming in, any conversation coming out. It's total control uh, mm-hmm. for inmates and and for the guards and, um, and and the control goes all the way down to little chachka things like things that might hang on your keychain. They don't want new stuff being entered into the prison environment, basically. Well, it's a thing where I mean, when you come in, 
and understand, you know, obviously you have to go under a, a big central, what they call one stand. You walk up a series of these long, kind of like limestone type steps, and you go to a big rounded um, metal, you know, I'm, I'm blanking, like a chain controlled gate. Okay. Anyway, so the officer says, okay, empty your pockets. And I mean, I'll kind of give you a quick run through. Empty your pockets. Mm-hmm. He looks at everything in here. Once he feels that you're, you're all right, he can see your ID, knows you're an officer. He goes, okay. Come on in, you know, make sure you don't have your cell phone, any of that, because they'll go take it on back down. It's not like you're going to get go to prison or go to jail because you forgot to take your cell phone. They'll just go, man, you got to run it back down to the car. And I've oh, done. OK, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah. So anyway, but they come through, they run all your stuff through, including your food, your sandwiches, your Yoo-Hoo, whatever you, you have for that. <laughs> Bill's was so addicted to Yoo-Hoo. I'm addicted to it. <laughs> you know, uh, remind me later to ask you about. There was these little wafers. Oh God, they're they're almost like almost chalky, and I'm blanking on what they are, but they're kind of an older style candy. I remember when I was a kid. Necco wafers. Oh, oh Neckos. Yes. Ah, yes. oh, my mom wafers. loved those. The chocolate ones. The chocolate ones. So mm-hmm. good. Oh, they're the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway, tangent. So okay. you go through, and they scan you, and then, though, I mean, they'll go ahead and give you a pat down. They'll check you. I mean, it's 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 for real. I mean, because. Uh, We've had people walk in something and people really get hurt. You know, people get stabbed. People get, you know, you know, when you're when you're newish, they probably have to be especially careful because they don't know you. Actually, they have to stay careful, I guess, the whole time you work there. Well, I'll tell you this. I uh, I've trained a lot of guys. I trained a lot of people that went on to other law enforcement. I trained people that I mean, I was there for. I mean, I trained people that, you know, went on, became lieutenants and captains and other branches of employment and uh, probation parole and anyway anyway but the thing i always told these guys or ladies were uh look um you know are you are you a little nervous you know you're a little scared and it's like nah it's like seriously i mean you can you can level me and they were like well eh, yeah a little bit i said good keep that the mm-hmm. day the day you lose that you need to go home wow the, the day you feel completely at ease and th- and understand there's a higher than average, you know, uh, alcoholism rate, divorce rate, suicide rate, uh, which is is somewhat covered in this book as well. Uh, a friend of mine uh, ended up like that. So it's one of these things where it's not – people see these shows and think it's like cops and everyone's sliding across uh, the, you know, the hood like uh, Starsky and Hutch and stuff, and it's just not that. And if you've ever had to go <clears throat> and understand – I'm I'm I am a southerner, you know. I don't I don't know I don't have any guns in my house, you know. Understand because I mean, I've got special needs kids. I was raised around a gun as a child. <clears throat> I never played with them, but my my dad taught me to understand that this thing would blow you up. It's not a toy. Mm. But but that being said, um, I don't have them in my house. I don't like them in my house, and I try to keep uh, my house, you know, violence free, and uh, as as calm as I can, and. Uh, so that's one of those things, and I try to explain to these guys all they want to do. The young guys, you know, they're just, you know, right, right, ready for a fight. You know, I'm like, that's not – if you're having to fight a guy, you've lost all control of the situation. Well, how young is the youngest person in, in, the, in your prison? Uh, you mean as in regards to being incarcerated? As a trainee. No, 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 as a prisoner. Oh, a prisoner. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, I'm sure it's probably probably 18, maybe 19. A lot of drug offenses, uh, a lot of uh, 
lot of African Americans, you know, and obviously there's a disparity in that. Uh, which, if you if you're honest and and not, you know, completely drinking the Kool Aid on, on certain, you know, politicians and stuff, you have to look at that and kind of go, eh, this doesn't quite look right. Yeah, um, I, I hope. Um uh, uh, Obama recently commuted the sentences of a whole bunch of people who had lifetime sentences for, uh, you know, a pot of a little bag of grass and stuff, grass from the 60s. But um, one of the things he talked about was how deeply he said he studied the life, the stories of all the different people. So, you know, the t- 222 inmates, um, he was looking for certain kinds of things like the only offense. And in a state where it was always too harsh, so forth. I and never so understood so why. I never understood why they threw the book that hard to somebody who put little pot on him or, or weed or whatever. That because to me, that, that because, the mind. Because, it really does. Because because it Nancy the, Reagan it was the automatic the war on drugs. guidelines. That, it, was, uh, it was it uh, was three strikes and you're out. They no, made I know, but I mean for some thing. Say it it's the, like uh, cocaine or heroin, but for weed. Weed? No, no, no. But weed's still Schedule One. I mean, you have to abide by that law. And what does a good citizen do when the law is completely insane? You say, and 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 if you're a prison guard, I mean, how do you, the prison guard? I mean, do you ever speed, or do you ever like think about shoplifting or something, and think to yourself, not you yourself, but prison guards? I mean, you're just one, one, t- one toke over the line before you're. On the other side, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you from my experiences with, with the guys that were in there, and and um, I I don't know. I don't, I never went in there with this. You know, I'm polishing my badge and look at this, and it was never that way. Because you understand too, having a father that was in law enforcement, and him having men under him that were like that, the headache that it caused them, and mm-hmm. I seen these guys wash out really quickly, and um. So it was a situation where, you know, and the thing is, when I was, you know, when I was first going into the, to the prison systems, it was like half of these guys, you know, were like ex-metal guys, ex-punk guys. I'm going past a cell and I'm like, you know, they're playing something I'm like, hey, man, is that, is that the Stooges? Is that Poison Idea? And it's like, how do you know about that? You know, mm. I guess they, everybody thinks I listen to Garth Brooks because I'm just kind of a big corn fed looking guy. But mm-hmm. and I'm like, um. No, I mean, that's that's what I listened to on the streets. And it was like, okay, cool. I mean, we weren't buddies. We weren't high-fiving or nothing. But it was one of those things. It's like, look, I'm a dad. This is this is a job. I go home to play with my kids. I have tea parties. I'm a dad. And this is a check. The day they stop paying me a check, I'll go home. I mean, I know and, you have to And what were, your, um, what were your job? What, what were your duties? And well, I'm thinking, yeah, um, there's a show called Orange is the New Black. And um, they have a prison guard there uh, with a mustache. I'm trying to think of a porn. They call him porn, yeah, porn stash. stash. Porn yeah. stash. Because it looks like he's in a porn movie. Yeah. Kind of like Nori. You know, there's guys. Exactly. That, there's guys that's like that. And there's a lot of uh, this. Be, and I'm just, I don't know if this corrections or, or maybe just Southern corrections. But it, there is that. Um, oh, what am I? How am I wording this? Um, all right. Like a guy comes in. It's fine. He's working in the prison. Fine. A woman comes to prison. It's like, oh man, why does she want to work here? You know. And it's like, then you then they really watch these women because they're thinking that they're going to try to hook up with an inmate and stuff. 
which happens sometimes. I mean, you know, the, the, the laws of averages is going to eventually fall on that side, just like there's certain guys that are going to hook up with inmates. Uh, Actually, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that. I worked with a, a girl a few years ago who was uh, at a dealership I used to work at, and uh, she was a, a CEO for, for a while, and she hooked up with an inmate who was on life. He was on for, for, for life, for murder. And in fact, he had murdered a cop, of all things. And she was, like, super proud of the fact that she hooked up with this guy. And then when it became discovered that she did, she was thrown out of the, uh, out of, the, out of you know, her job, and he arrested her. So does that happen? Do, they, do these folks hmm. get arrested also for hooking up with these people? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yes. Okay, yeah. let me explain how it works in, in, in good old Kentucky. There's um, a whole article, by the way, on this thing, on which is hysterical to read from this girl. But, and continue. And, and, Steve, before you do, was yes. your uh, prison a maximum or a minimum or a... No, yeah. the, well, I'm sorry. I was going to say the Kentucky yeah. State Penitentiary is a maximum. It's now moved on to uh, what they call a supermax because of the addition of uh, more more offenses and more barriers. Um, like I said, it's basically most people don't just get sent to the penitentiary. Um, it's generally though people are farmed out to other uh, medium to whatever places, and if they can't keep it together, or if they're violent. Especially if they attack staff, they come to the pen, what they call the pen, and um, and that's the thing. Anybody, depending on who you are, you could be in there for um, good lord, I don't know, so let's bad checks or something, and turn around and stab a stab an officer, and so boom, your custody score is going to go way up. Mm-hmm. You might have the same custody score as somebody like uh, first degree murder. Well, um, and just men in your prison? Uh, yes. Yeah, as inmates, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, there, <clears throat> there's another facility, as uh, I think I mentioned to you guys earlier on, uh, the Western Kentucky uh, Correctional Complex, which I actually started out there. That's a minimum to medium. Um, again, a lot of lot of drug-related stuff, not a lot of uh, really super heinous stuff uh, there, but – they had had they had changed things around because they had to have a female prison, but it, they didn't have enough women incarcerated at the time to fill up one of the other institutions. So they made uh, Western Kentucky complex into the female one. Well, hmm. they were they were having so many problems getting people to work there because a lot of the male guards didn't want to work around these women, mm-hmm. and uh, and generally they had try to have women working with women, so there would be less of a chance of you know, something, something funny happening. But, uh, as I understand it now and understand it's been, it's been like since about 2010, since I've been in the corrections game. So, uh, I'm getting this from, you know, my sources, but they now have most of the women working outside detail doing, you know, light farm work, things like that. And they have the men on the inside, you know, they make sure they don't, they don't bump up. So, Mm. but yeah, at the, at the penitentiary, it's, it's, it's all, it's all male. So why don't you tell us about your book, because uh, that book contains some fascinating revelations in it. How so? Uh, like I said, now, I mean, I know it's one of these things you got to remember, and you may not know this. Uh, again, I kind of fell into this whole writer thing. Um, don't get me wrong. I've studied this type of stuff for years. I've researched this type of uh, phenomena since I was a small child. Um, going to the local library and going right to the esoteric section. And, you know, it was like this little latchkey kid going in there. And because, but, you know, again, because of the visitations or whatever, 
you want to call that, that I had, I was a scared child. And it was one of those things where eventually I asked somebody, look, sometimes fear, you know, like fear is only the unknown. Mm-hmm. Once you know what you're working with, I'm sure there's a famous quote, but it, it escapes me. But so fear is the path to the dark side. Uh, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Yeah, hate leads yeah. to suffering. What is the fear quote from Dune? Continue. That's Star Wars. Fear, fear, Wars. Is, fear, is, fear the is the mind killer. killer. That's fear it. Is. Yeah. Well, I rem- the one I remember was Spice's Spice's life, but um, yeah. I loved it as well. Um, By the way, while we're breaking up here, just for the moment, there's a new series called Strange Strange Stranger Things. things. Stranger Every, Things. Everybody's yeah. watching that. Yep. Yeah. Everybody's watching. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I was going to tell you because um, you were talking about we were talking about the book and how I kind of stumbled into it. And, yeah. and, and before any of this, cause like I said, just like with, with angel and, and, and bill and you, your guys' stuff and his, his stuff and UFO stuff, I was a fan before I even did this. Um, you know, I was a fanboy before and I just kind of stumbled into it. Uh, a friend of mine, Joel Sturgis, uh, who also, uh, you know, has a program and we were talking about this and that. And he was one of my friends that said, Oh, you should go do it. You should go do it. And I was like, I'm not a writer, you know? And it's like, Eh, well, I mean, apparently they think you are, you know, here, you know, let's see what you can do. And he kind of saw that, that transformation from over here to this. But, uh, Stephen King was one of my, I'm sure probably a lot of people's, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, sort of gateway, gateway drug into horror and that type of stuff, which obviously, you know, Poe and, and yep. Lovecraft, thank you, you know. And, um, ever since I was a small kid, I mean, I actually did my first book signing, uh, in a Stephen King shirt with a Pennywise on it, so uh, you know. Well, you you um, you've also mentioned, and, and um, it's in your book as well, that you have been interested in witchcraft and that level of the esoteric, also, right? Sure. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it's one of those type of things where being in such a small area, it wasn't something that I could readily go to the, the local community college and take a class in demonology or, you know, or even metaphysics. Um, it was a thing I basically more or less, more or less was self-taught, but, um, yeah, yeah. I've always had a, a fascination about, you know, like just, just the belief that the, the sociological aspects of it, you know, of looking at a culture that where are they at in their, in, well, to use a sixties term in their head to, um, be believing this, you know, and it's just one of those well, things. Well, the, it's, yeah, the- it's an interesting study. The reason I brought it up was because I was going to try to wonder if the weird atmosphere in a prison, just to start with, even on a good day, some people are having really bad days there. I mean, there's a lot of human horrible tragedy that goes on, on a kind of weekly basis, maybe. Um, and do you think that that's what creates the stories, the the ghosts and the orbs and things? Or do you think the orbs and things... Are something t- entirely separate from the icky feeling. Ghosts and orbs. Well, you know, and, I, and I'll tell you what, I really tried because, like I said, what, what, what college and stuff I did was in toward criminal justice. And so I try to take things from, you know, the scientific method. And when I would investigate, you know, go into it, like lay it out in a grid pattern and, you know, handle it almost like an, inve- you know, like an investigation because it's what it is. You know, uh, that those rules apply to anything. You know, if you want to have, any any sort of evidence that can be substantiated and not just look like wow man they're all over the place with this but um do i think that all that negativity and all that worry and all of that hate and all of that you know all of that 
plays into it. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, but more so than and understand, obviously, you know, the penitentiary uh, was built out of a lot of the different like especially limestone in the local area. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, as I understand, it, it's on a larger, larger sheet of uh, limestone. A limestone is one of the larger components of this area. Um, and, you know, there's also the the, the, the river or the, the what you call it. I guess it's the uh, I'm blanking. The water that runs through it, which leads into a larger, a larger river, it's Barkley, uh, Lake Barkley, it leads into the Cumberland River, mm-hmm. and um, and all that. Of course, you know, the way I believe it is like this. And when I say believe, of course, I can't prove any of it. I'm the first guy to tell you I have no clue what I saw. I have no clue what you know I felt. I simply know I experienced the stimuli. Other people's experience of stimuli in the same area. I try to troubleshoot this for all kinds of different reasons to cause this. And it happens on days. It happens on nights. It happens on weekends. It happens to white folks, black folks, women, men. What did, you, what did you see? Well, I mean, in the time that I've been there, I had seen uh, one of the stories is talking about second floor, which there's a, there's a building called five, called, called, sorry, called five cell house. Okay, it has four floors. The first, second are all general population. That means they can walk in the yard any given time. Third floor is part GP, is what is general population, and then protective custody. These guys are in there either for they're just not strong inmates. They are not able to work well. Maybe sometimes they're honestly somewhat diminished mentally or socially, and they kind of protect them, obviously. You know, protective custody is what, what it means. And the fourth floor is all protective custody. Well, again, second floor, I'd work that. You have, it broke up like this. Each walk, you would have three different walks, and on either side are rows of cells. Mm-hmm. So you would have a, uh, a and B walk, you'd have C and D walk down the middle, and then E walk on the far right, which is a single walk. Mm-hmm. Anyway, whenever I would go down, C and D walk. There's a shower. There's a shower on each on each walk. It always felt odd. That was the initial thing. Okay, I played it off as well. First of all, you're in a prison. It's a shower. Guaranteed, not good things happen there. You know, best to think of better things. So yeah, especially if you drop the soap. Ooh. Oh yeah, never Ouch. drop the soap. That's a no no. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. You you'd only make that mistake once. I, I don't think you'd ever let the soap go again. Well, let's get into that kind of thing. But anyway, continue. Well, hey, you know, and that's okay. I'm not judging. But so I would go down, and there's fire doors. I feel so sorry sometimes for guys going through <laughs> this this era. Anybody who's been, who is now, um, Steve, I think you're in your 40s now? Yes, ma'am. And Angel's in his 30s, and Bill's in his yep. 70s. You guys have got, you've got more grief to go through. But it's, it, it's times have changed. That you guys have to accommodate yourselves to. Uh, Just don't drop the soap. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We we can crack box about that, but you know that's a thing where even the South, which I know this, and me being from here, obviously I'm I'm not going. I'm not an apologist. There's certainly very not uh, politically correct things that happen here, but there's also a lot of really good things and a lot of very progressive things happen. Well, the yeah. South and the Appalachian area, uh, there are really great documentary movies about the music that is still 
Um, that that's one of the greatest um, travelogues you'll see when you're just looking at the music, but you see so much scenery and so many different people's houses and all these different. Oh, oh, oh that's the, what I found out when we went to. And the language is very well, specialized. Uh, the Great Smoky Mountains, and yeah. we went into this bar, and there was a guy, and he was singing and dancing. He was an old guy, and Mr. Bojangles. The thing about it was. He was singing a Scots ballad from the sixteenth from the seventeenth wow. century. But he was In what singing kind of it language? as a country song. Oh wow. Right. And how did you recognize this? I happened to be in graduate school at the time and wow. I knew this uh, and I knew Your mind my, must have been blown. I knew my Renaissance ballads and my eighteenth century ballads. Yeah. Well I mean I mean you obviously gotta consider, you know, the, the people that, that moved in there, you know, and uh you know, a lot of times it was poor folks, you know, European folks and stuff. And it seemed like a lot of times those folks settled there and it was like, here, we're claiming it. This is ours. We, we like hilly areas. This is ours. We'll stay here, you know, and which is great. But sometimes things slow down. But there's a trade off. Like you said, you build a very rich tapestry of history and cultural, uh, uh, I guess I'm, I'm blanking on the word, but you build diversity a, maybe thank you thank you just and it, when you go in that hurry up run 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 a lot of times of larger cities which don't get me wrong you know we've been to a lot of larger cities i mean when we had to when we adopted our oldest son joseph uh we had to travel to thailand and which was kind of culture shock from up for us wow and, um, but it was one of those and things wh- and was and was your baby 100 percent a little thai baby was he um kind of Oh, well, ma'am, I have no uh, – and if I call you ma'am and if I call uh, uh, Bill, I call you sir, it's not a disrespect. It's just something my dad beat into me. So I, I'm sure, okay. Uh, I take no offense to that. But if he was a all-time baby or not, I have no clue. Um, if, I'll tell you real quick if you want to hear it. The boy's, sure. the boy's mother, Joseph, um, his mother, as I understood it on the paperwork, and I understand everything from – Thai to English gets kind of wonky. Worked at night, so either either she was a cabbie or a vampire, or I'm thinking maybe she was a, a prostitute. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know she was addicted to uh, amphetamines and other stuff. She had the child, saw the boy was deaf and had, uh, you know what hydrocephalus is, I'm assuming. Yep, I'm sure and, do. Uh, and he, he had had that and something called Dandy Walker syndrome, which is a malformation of the brain. Him and my other son, I, Ivan, both have that. But uh, he's his nationality is Chinese, but he was bo- actually born in Eastern Kentucky in an area called Berea. Well, so how we, many how many kids oh do you have? Oh my God, Berea! Oh God, There's too a college many. There. No, seriously, how many do you have? Uh, well, we have three daughters by birth. It's both mine and Cheyenne's, which is my wife, mm. uh, Alyssa, Kaylin, and Mackenzie. And then we adopted Ivan from uh, his family, who were Chinese. They he had a lot of medical stuff. He has more advanced Danny Walker, which caused him to have CP and epilepsy. And um, so they just couldn't care for him. They, it, I don't want to say it's a cultural thing, but it's one of these things where a lot of times, especially these kids don't fare very well mm-hmm. in those regions. So, um, but he was born in the U.S. I call him my Chinese hillbilly. So, mm-hmm. but and what are their what are their ages? Okay, uh, listen, I'm, I guarantee I'll get this wrong. I, I suck on birthdays too. Um, Alyssa's twenty. She's in college, uh, going to Murray State for nursing. Kaylin is 17. She's in high school, which is insane. Uh, 
going to high school, also studying to go into nursing. Uh, her and my oldest daughter also work part-time in a nursing facility to keep their skills, learn their skills. My youngest daughter, Mackenzie, she's the wild card. She's the one that's into like anime and all the uh, – what they call – there's something called K-pop and J-pop and all these different mm-hmm. like Oriental-type dance styles. and It's kind of like boys to men, but everybody's Asian. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so she's into that. She's – I'm thinking she's going to end up going into either radio, uh, like voice work or – acting she's very much a drama kid which they're all they were all band kids uh my two girls are still in band um so we've kind of had all our girls in band uh, joseph uh never was really able to do that partially because he's he's spe- he, well i say he's special he was special needs this is actually this is the year to the date of the funeral so if i seem scattered today i apologize oh joseph uh, joseph is no longer here yeah, he had had a medical malfunction with his oh. shunt that helped uh, oh. help drain that. Oh, he was a great kid, and and uh, it's one of those things. It's hard to walk off, but when you oh have- yeah, you'll never do. And oh yeah, you never do. And it I never I, I just I just wanted to throw in again that an ash tree, an ash tree, came down six inches from our house and just skimmed the whole side of our house and just changed our life a little bit. So I just want to say. I'm sure we're all meant to be talking right here, right now. I throw that out there into the universe. Um, so you have a total of five kids then? Right. Yeah. I mean, some, some are here and some are obviously passed on to wherever. And and, and I don't know if you would happen to read my dedication in the front uh, to Joseph. Um, I'm, I'm actually thinking on what I wrote, but basically to the effect of I, I, I hope to see you again on the other side oh. be what it is you know which huh. we had actually, we had actually lost a daughter between my oldest daughter and middle daughter uh she had something called um um oh i'm blanking out turner syndrome and it was a uh, genetic just a fluke and uh she she uh had congestive heart failure in utero but um but you know what it's one of those things where i think these things when they happen and I at least know it has been true on my end, uh, and I'm not. And when I say this, I don't say it very much because I feel like it's kind of sounds like I'm cashing in on that, which is that's a horrible thing. But when these things have happened, it seems like what I can perceive amps up. I don't know why is, that is, is. Is deeper. It's very strange, and I think once you have that brush with um, with dealing with that, because like I said, like with, well, with my son. When he passed, and I don't mean to get into this, but you asked, um, you know, we did CPR. You know, I was sitting there, you know, breathing his mouth and trying to keep his heart going and all that. And things get really, really simple and things get very, very um, finite. You know, things like really tighten in. And ever since then, you know, it's been a thing where – and understand, as I was finishing this book, this was going on, you know. And it was a thing where this – was sort of my ride to hold to. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, I, I cling to my wife, but she was dealing with her own grief. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to be the rock for your kids, as you should be. But this is where Daddy can kind of go, pour his right. out. Yeah, you've got you've got to build your own rock for yourself. Right. Well, you know, it's just one of those things. It's hard being, especially from. Well, you know, I'm sure that the guys know from the generations that we're from. You know, 
you know, my dad was always showing me the John Wayne movies and all this stuff. You know, you're supposed to handle it. You're supposed to be a guy. You're well, you're, but wait, but wait. Even even before you go there, when you're in charge of a men's prison, you see every possible way that a man can fail. In front, right there in front of your eyes, every kind of personality, every one of those guys got caught somehow. And it's every kind of failure a man could come up with. And it's got to be disconcerting, you know? Well, you know, uh, the thing was, like I said, and thank God I wasn't working in the prison at the time, which it was, it was one of those things. It's a type of job where when you have special needs kids, it can be rough on you, you know, um, because they want you there at their beck and call. Right. And I understand it to a point, but it's a thing where, you know, you, you have one kid with a, a heart problem or something or, God forbid, you know, you're going to have issues and this and that and have to change shifts sometimes. I actually started working midnights for the express purpose of so my wife could go to all the different doctor's appointments because oh. we adopted special needs children because that's where our heart's at. And we knew no no one wanted them, honestly. And um, so that's just where it was. And I, I told them that from the get go, which, you know. I, but where do you get the extra energy? I mean, you almost have to be on call 24 hours a day. Well, obviously, you – oh, God, I don't even know how to answer that. Um, I don't know. It's just – that's just our life. I don't know what to say. I mean, my wife is a lot more um, – has a lot deeper faith than I do. Yeah, I think it comes from that sort of thing in love because when you love someone, you don't even notice the how many hours have gone by and stuff. You just – you know – well, you're you're there to help. Well, I mean, again, it's one of these things where, and like I said, and I understand this is very personal, and I don't mean to to come off kind of bumbling, but I'm sometimes I find it's it, the hardest thing to do is look in a mirror and, and and really study yourself. But I mean, for me, immediately after that, I've I've dealt with a lot of uh, not I won't say anger, bitterness, I guess. Uh, Loss, you know, you go through all those different things, you know, bargaining, you know, you please, you know, if you can keep them, keep them alive, this, this and that, I'll do whatever, all those different things to, to the point where I'm just kind of like, look, things are going to happen. There's not a whole lot of rhyme and reason to them. Mm. But and when I say that, Joseph was a was an organ donor. I'm now an organ donor as well. And there were six different people whose, you know, families had their Husbands, wives, moms, kids at Christmas. And as much as I wish we had had him here, you know, he he went out like a superhero, you know, because he loved Spider-Man. And um, so it was one of those things. And, and, and Spider-Man yeah. and all the superhero stories, they really talk about for the greater good or there's something behind everything. You kind of get the impression that um, it sounds like you trained your son very well as best you could, you know, because each child's different. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. And, and everybody grieves differently. I mean, since we're talking about it, it's one of those things. We we had a balloon release today um, on the anniversary. And, you know, some of the kids were like, OK, you know, and someone was like, look, can we just sort of keep this in-house to where we can grieve privately? We just mm -hmm. and, you know, and I even told my, my wife, who, God bless her. I love her to death. It's just a thing like, look. It, there comes a point because he was very known in the community. He was a special Olympian. He was involved mm -hmm. with all this stuff. And the town kind of really took mm -hmm. hold of the story. And once that happens, the le I'm going to say the legend, but that kind of grows past the family. And everybody kind of feels to a point they can gleam to it. And 
and that kind of chased the kids a little bit. You know, it's like, you know, that's our brother, you know. Some mm. of you guys didn't even know him in school. This is our brother, you know. And I think that happens anytime uh, somebody passes. But where where I am at personally, I'm not – I don't have a lot of the, the, the rage that I had, and I had it. Mm. Uh, I understand being, being an ex, you know, like an, an old punk rocker and stuff, you know, especially playing the kind of hardcore music I played. You know, you had to kind of have that fire. I'm a, I mean, I'm still a very passionate guy. There's nothing wrong with passion uh, when it's directed and it's for the good. But it was one of those things. That well, you're, you're learning wisdom, which is a very special kind of knowledge, right? Well, you I mean, only get you only get wisdom from deep experience. And sometimes you can't even tell other people, but you've learned things. Well, I don't know how about well, Hillary. Well, <laughs> But I, I, I do want to get back to your book, though, because I think that's fascinating. So so why don't you walk us through really briefly? Um, I know we have a break coming up. But wait, about- um, did we finish the shower story? We did get we did get off the track a bit. Yeah. Oh, well, that's where you first okay. began to see some, or feel something. Yeah. Well, actually, the it wasn't thing- Sandusky. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, God. No, oh, God. No. Oh. Jesus. No. Oh, I won't even. Yeah, so no. what is the shower story? Okay. Uh, again, would go down there, obviously get weird feelings, all that stuff. And I was walking down back by the fire escape doors, which because it's a kind of a high rise type situation, you have to have an immediate way to get these guys off the walks. They don't they don't burn to death, you know. So uh, was coming back, getting ready to turn around, and something just sort of caught in the corner, uh, caught in the corner of my eye. Um, so I kind of looked back for a second, and and it almost looked like. Um, Almost like a haze or a smoke was in the shower, and I was just like, "That doesn't. That's weird." And then what happened was, I saw, I figured out then when a second similar, almost smoky shape, like it was loosely humanoid. It was semi, you know, you could kind of see through it, but it was subtle enough that it, it stood out. It didn't. First, I, you know, I could say, "Well, it's a shadow of somebody," but it didn't. Like if it goes across a wall. And there's like a, a bend in the wall. It didn't bend with that. It just like went by itself. It wasn't even on the ground. It was like slightly above the ground, about two feet. And I went, okay, rationalization. I don't. That's a shadow of somebody. Some, somebody's in the shower. Right. So I go up there. You know, understand this is midnight. No one's out. Everyone's actually everybody's asleep. Going there and I can't find anything. Um, you know, the room is very cold. You know, uh, it wasn't like things are standing there scratching the walls. I'm, it's not that sensational, but it was a thing that this continued to happen. And every story I got in here, you know, I probably spoke to, good Lord, like over the time of working on this, give or take about 400 people. And you got to remember that you have so many different repeat stories because so many people work the same areas. And I was not the same one that had it. They had the same sort of build up. Down at the walk, weird, kind of looked like smoke, and one or two things would run in there. And I spoke to an older janitor. Uh, in the prison systems, when the really, really old guys, um, those are convicts. Inmates are new guys. Convicts are the old timers or the granddaddies, or the, as they were called. Especially, this is probably a southern thing, but that's what it was called. Uh, right. So I'm talking to this guy, and I said, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he was out cleaning, and I was like, so, uh, you clean in the, the shower in here today? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I've got to, you know. 
I said, uh, can I ask you something? And um, this stays between us, right? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, you ever just get kind of a weird feeling, you know, in, in, in a shower? And he said, you're talking to the one on C&D? I said, like, yes, yeah, yes, sir. He's like, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, that's been kind of a known thing for a while. And uh, I asked what had happened, and apparently there are these two guys had been friends and generally it's either money a woman or you know your pride that usually gets most men into to trouble and this guy went after this kind of weaker inmate the less physically imposing inmate and apparently stabbed him to death in a shower and um there's stories like that all over that yard you gotta understand we went through with metal detectors over the yards before and it's just popping off like like a jackpot because there's so much there's such an old structure has old piping old uh wires from structures old old pieces of fencing that they built you know shaped into pokers uh there's shivs or you know prison knives right all over the place um you know but that's that is part and parcel of that facility you know places have orbs places have locks that pick up and slam up and down you know cameras will show things walking through walls just it's have you seen that have you seen that yes i have uh, there was a place called four house and it's another multi-tiered prison but all the cells are in the center like the old uh i'm trying to think of alcatraz was like that or not but you know where you have the center uh cells and then it opens up over like it has like a half wall of right, fence. Right, anyway right. anyway it was like that and there was a place called 20 walk and you have prison side and you have riverside obviously one side's toward the yard the other side's facing toward the river well 20 river was a standalone cell or a standalone walk single walks anyway was seeing some things coming up through there and the cameras were acting weird and first i thought the cameras were malfunctioning and what I would ha- what had happened was you would see almost like a almost like heat coming off of the ground, you know, off the sun, you know, August or, or not August or whatever. Right. Right. Hot, hot times. I'm sorry, I'm blanking. But and well, like see, a mir- like a mirage. Yeah, yeah, just like you, you can see that weird that weird kind of uh, influence. Right, it's very wavy. Yeah, it's actually called yeah. a Feta Morgana. That's it. That's it. Yeah, thank you. And what had happened is you'd start seeing that, but then out of the center of that, you would start seeing almost like – do you remember like when you would turn a television off? Mm-hmm. It would go whoop in the little yeah. – yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it would do that in reverse where it's – but very slowly. Like wow. a little pinpoint grows and grows. And first I thought, well, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a dust orb. But the thing was it was giving off its own illumination. It was illuminating the hall. And you were seeing this with your bare eyes? I was see- Well, I was seeing it through the camera. Ah, and what the first thing I thought was, of course, you know, well, that's the old Arkham's razor thing. You know, the most logical thing is probably the most likely. Sure. So thinking maybe somebody's down there playing. Maybe somebody's got a, a mirror and they're trying to flash the screen so much away. Anyway, so I had a guy go down there and uh, by this time he had kind of faded back in. Well, I looked around so make sure nobody's got a hot pot that's on fire or doing some just somebody down there clowning. Well, this was midday. And so the guy kind of come back and says, no, there's nothing down here. In fact, there's nobody. There's really nobody on the cells because I'd come in there to relieve another officer. I wasn't for sure who I was in their cells. So, okay. And then I started seeing again. And this time it really got big, probably beach ball size. Come straight down the walk, hovered there, almost like a 
almost doing like little semicircles, hmm. whipped to the right, and it had. I mean, it was really strange. It had a tail almost like a will o' wisp, or willow o' the wisp. Was it was it white? It was it was the strangest thing. It was a blue white, almost pla- almost a plasma. You ever seen like uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. well plasma? You know, I don't want to say echoism, yeah. but it was so freakishly bright, uh, and it whipped right toward the camera and shot out past the camera and went off went off the walk and the walk went dark. Well, was it about the size of say a football? Oh, it was larger than that. I mean, if the average cell front was like say an average door, maybe a little bit smaller. Cause this is an, this is a very old facility. Um, that thing was a good, a good size, bigger than a soccer ball. Like you remember, like the uh, like Red Rover balls or the big kickballs. Mm. Oh yeah, 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 the dodgeball type. Yeah, yeah, well, like yeah. a big basketball. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean bigger than a basketball. I mean, yeah, no, it was bigger. Yeah, it was sizable and almost. I would almost say a beach ball, but not like. Well, the did one. you get any impression that it was it could communicate? I, I'm not gonna lie. It did seem like when, when I was really studying it, it really got agitated. I don't know if it was a thing it didn't want to be seen, or if it wanted to be seen. And like, oh, I can act out now. Um, and the thing is, I don't know if it was registering there, if it was registering on the camera as an uh, electromagnetic glitch or something. But the thing was, I mean, I personally believe this is. And again, we're, we're everything's electromagnetic. Everything has electromagnetic electromagnetics to it, you know. Even running water, especially when you're going through something like limestone, something with quartz, mm-hmm. as I understand, produces a certain amount of electromagnetic uh, energy. Um, we all have it, and I think that these events, be it interdimensional creatures, be it uh, if you want to call them aliens, if you want to call them spirits, you want to call them sprites, you want to call them, you know, the myriad of different things in, in back cultures and, and early uh, early man up to now. But uh, you're thinking the limestone, like a crystal, kind of resonates a certain way and maybe makes an opening, are you saying? or I, like a? Well, I believe that, and again, this is speculation, but, you know, uh, crystals, just like in old radios, they get to a certain frequency, they amplify that frequency. Um and the thing is, you got to remember the building was made almost entirely of that through mm. the strain of inmate labor. People stuck inside those cells going mad, especially in the early days. What had happened on that walk, just so you know, uh, I spoke to the older officer and I said, he said, why are you you're really bird-dogging that camera, Asher? And I was like, well, mm. it's just the craziest thing. And I shook my head and he's like, well, tell me, you know. And I was like, uh, no, because I was fairly new then. And I was like, you're going to think I'm nuts. And he said, well, I <laughs> Surprise me, you know, humor me with it. I, I bet you I won't. And I told him what I saw, and he went, he said, back down there toward the back end. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, yeah, that sounds about right. He said, Whoa. what you got to remember is, and I was like, if, have you seen this too? And I said, he said, I've seen some, some lot of shadows and movement and things like that. I've not really seen a lot of the orbs. He said, but let me tell you what happened. That used to be, and just like, again, like any culture is built on another culture is built on another culture. Because of that penitentiary, each building has had different lives in different eras of the in the prison. Right. And what, and what happened was that was the old Death Walk, the original uh, where the men were oh, waiting. Oh, like the Green Mile. It was yes. Death Row. Yeah. Yeah, because understand at one time, and that was called Four Cell House. It originally was an admin building, what was called One and Two Cell House, which is now administrative offices and storage. 
which, you know, there's a big attic up there, which actually has the original heavy wooden oak doors of the prison, which I had actually touched it. And I don't know how to describe it. I almost, vis- almost got physically sick. I don't understand well, why that is. But it was. And, 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 and what was the, co- the cover you took the photograph? What is that a, f- a photo of? That was actually provided from uh, from Permuted Press. I oh, okay. And I believe that was I believe that was uh, Aaron Rainey, um, Michael L. Wilson, and all those guys are the ones that cover that. Um, I believe that's very similar to the style that would have been in in Four Cell House. The way they did now is where you had the openings, uh, like the the half wall fencing. It's all the way up because they used to have they would have a line, and what they called that was that you don't want to step you want to step into uh, into the green line or what they call watermelon row. You um, know, I wrote that down. I was listening to a show, the Skywasher show. I wrote that down. I w- I'm glad you brought it up. Oh, you oh, okay? Well, watermelon row is uh, yeah. Well, it, there's only one way to put it. Uh, if you didn't pay up, they didn't like you, especially back in the days if you were. Uh, you know, which is really funny. It's a sort of a weird. There was a certain code amongst inmates. If you hurt women and children, a lot of times you didn't last long, and they would take these guys and they would nose dive them. You know, you know, fifty, seventy-five feet head first, and their heads. Huh. I mean, their heads would pop like a melon. It was just. It is what it is, and it's it's horrific and it's gory, but it's factual. And because um, I always ask, like, well, I see some places had this, and some places don't. And you know, he said, look. The thing you'll learn about corrections, there's nothing There's no, no, nothing known as proactive in a prison. Somebody died, somebody got stabbed, somebody got raped, somebody got raped, stabbed, and died. All this stuff, something happened for this to happen because they were trying to keep the state from getting sued. So, and all that stuff happened in that same area. Oh, wait, I don't understand. Um, just back up a bit. What do you mean by proactive? Well, what I'm saying is, instead of going, they knew Obviously, if you have three or four floors of inmates, these guys have probably – this has not had been the first time. I'm sure this has been a slow uh, – every so often, someone getting knocked off those walks and thrown mm-hmm. off the sides of that. It f- finally got to the point when, as as I would assume, legal action was maybe threatened or something like that or families got involved, which a lot of times puts a lot of pressure on Frankfurt, which is – you know, our capital. So what you're saying is that as long as there, there are no such things as whistleblowers, let's put it that way. There's a status quo until somebody. Yes and no. I mean, there's a way of doing things and there's their way there. It's the way to do things is their way. The way to go through them is a chain of command. It's very military and you break that chain of command, you become a target. Um, And And would you say, uh, that some of the guys higher up or within even on, on the same level as yourself were truly sadistic and chose chose that profession because they were sadistic? Well, I believe that it goes across the line of any sort of authoritative position. Sometimes people are drawn to positions because they're trying to make it for something outside the fence. Um, yes, to give a simple, <laughs> the simple answer is yeah, I think so because I've dealt with some, and um, they, you know, these type of guys like to run in packs, and generally, when they try to pull that stuff around me, you know, we would kind of I wouldn't call out anybody out in front of an inmate um, because that's 
not how you correct somebody. You kind of walk them over and go, hey, I don't know what your deal is. I don't know who taught you that. But if I see it again, I'm writing you up. And you quickly kind of become a bit of, I guess, a pariah. You know, you're off over here, which was mm-hmm. fine with me. I was there to work. But it's one of those things, sure. I've, I've, yeah. yeah. And, and you, you didn't wear a weapon during during the day, right? Or did you? No, man. I mean, only time you actually had a any sort of weapon, uh, like mini fourteens or, or you know shotguns and all that stuff, was when you're in a wall stand, or you would have a sidearm if you were transporting an inmate to like a court or a hospital uh, mm-hmm. uh, test or something. But no, when you're when you were on the walk or when you were on the uh, what they call the hill, which there's steps to everything in KSP. I mean, you're walking. Remember when you were a kid and your dad said, I used to walk up a hill in the snow coming and going from school. Mm-hmm, right. right. Honest to God, it was like that. You froze to death in winter because you had those uh, kind of uh, polyester type, you know, kind of green mileage type stuff. They right, still, right, that right. Stuff. And uh, then you roasted to death in, in summer because uh, I'm not a sun person. If you ever looked at my picture, you know, you can mm-hmm. see that. Um, my my uh, my classmates actually joke jokingly used to call me Casper because when they try to take they try to take my picture you're talking about the white man they try to take my picture for my ID it it, ble- it like totally bleached out all you can see is like two little dots and little goatee <laughs> and they say man you like Casper the ghost and it just kind of so you'd say I never wear a white jacket right oh it's hard yeah uh, it's really hard to do a lot of outside shots because like you said. I just bleach out, and and I'm kind of ruddy complexion, you know, kind of you know, German type, you know, heritage and stuff, and that that really comes through. But um, but yeah, well, that's one of those things. Um, well, the, what, the whole time, what would be what would be the strangest story? Yeah, you've I was going there too. Experienced, yeah. or 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 the other question was the whole time this is all going on, there are still live inmates. It's still a lively prison, right? It still is now. I mean, that's what I mean. I've uh, compared it to more or less this is a giant paranormal petri dish and it's ongoing and it's forever building um, you know there's been talk of them wanting to shut the prison down because they understand you can't keep codes up with you know a hundred year old plus facility um, and really keep it to code I mean they've been passing it and yeah, you know, I'm not going to say what, whatever. But I have my speculations on why that is. Well, is the prison um, up to capacity, or is it over or under capacity? I believe it's got about 800 and something now. There was a time when I was there; there had been a riot at I think North Point uh, Prison or North Point Complex up up uh, toward more close to Frank uh, Frankfurt. Understand when you were talking about the Appalachian areas and stuff. That's a beautiful area, but we're actually Western Kentucky. It's more like we're more Midwest. We're probably two hours from St. Louis. We're maybe an hour north of Nashville. So, so are you west of the Cumberland Mountains? Yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah, we're down like it was about a four hour drive to Memphis. We're like maybe two hours from. Yeah, I mean, we're we're way away from the Appalachians and all that. OK, I mean, so I mean, don't get me wrong, like, especially the area we're living in in Caldwell County, which is a county across right across from Edible, which is which houses the prison, um, is very hilly and again very limestoney or limestoney. Which are, we got a lot of caves here too, which that's another story. But yeah, uh, and and PJ has mentioned in uh, the chat that when limestone is pressed, um, it will give off a an electromagnetic field. Mm-hmm. 
and that's the thing I've often wondered too. Like you said, again, all of that, I, I, I have to use the term like, like a psychic resonance that all, all that energy, all that fear, the anxiety, all of that, that hate, all that stuff that drives these guys 24 hours a day, guards too, not just inmates. You know, you understand? I mean, I've seen. Well, do you think the um, things that are paranormal in a prison would, by circumstance, be considered demonic? Mm, you know, it's hard. Um, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an, uh, an atheist, maybe a little bit more of a, a, a curious agnostic mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, but it, being in a Bible belt, which I'm. I'm certainly kind of out of step with that, and that's okay. I'm actually proud to say that. Um, it's one of these things. It's real easy for people to just go, "There's a demon down there," or this, whatever. And and sometimes I'm sure there's negative energy uh, entities there because I've encountered them, and and other people's encountered them. But would I? I mean, if you're saying demonic for the fact it's a negative energy, mm-hmm. and on that alone, for sure, would I say this is a uh, an entity that was never human from an early biblical, pre-biblical race that I can't say it because of, again, that I can speculate. But like I said, I really try to give it as well as I can surmise it. You know, I mean, we, I can speculate all day, you know, but as of being able to say, yes, I can for sure say this is a demon or if something good happens in a prison, well, this is certainly an angel or a guardian angel. That well, well, many people... You know who are spiritual will still, and they're not very superstitious and they're not very worried. They still seem to like to surround themselves with white light or say a prayer or pray to the God that you love Oh, and, and hope for the best, right? No, no, totally. And understand this, uh, I guess, journey, personal journey I'm on right now uh, where I kind of fell off, you know, of having a lot of faith is when my son passed. And that's going to take time. Maybe I'll get back to that spot. Maybe not. I mean, and well, your son, your son will, your son will contact you, and your your faith will be restored. Well, you know, I mean, it's funny you said that. It's so weird that you said that. It's almost like you were on in tune with something I was going to say. I mean, I have had several people that are from every different things. I've talked to some people that are, uh, I guess. Or you want to call them Christian? I've talked to some people that were Muslim. I've talked to some people that were pagans. You know, uh, I've decided to become a pantheist. So that's who's speaking now, a pantheist. I support you on that. Why not? Yeah. Who am I to tell you different? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing I always try to teach my kids. I think that kind of stems from being like sort of the the anarchist punk kid, I guess, to a point of going, look, just because it's not to use a sixty term, my trip doesn't mean that. It's not yours. Your personal journey you're on is is yours alone. Who right. am I to judge it? But um, very wise. I, I don't know if it's wise. It's just I've seen people chewing their lips off because about a bathroom or because somebody wants to get married or something. Or I'm just like, what? Why do you? Uh, it's almost like I watch people getting like smoke well, and mirrors, you know, there's well, people more- really want other people to think the way they do. And it makes them very frustrated. If people think differently, this is true. particularly if they feel, particularly if they feel the other side is, um, is stupid. Well, but a lot of times, Nancy, it, 
again, coming from a Bible Belt, there's a lot of fear there. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of party line stuff of going, well, don't you know those guys? Um, you know, that type of thing. There was a show uh, you guys, I'm sure you're familiar with, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Of sure. course. And I wanted to go see this uh, forever. There's a little town. Mm -hmm. It's not really small. It's smaller. Evansville, Indiana. And I had some brothers that lived up there, uh, worked in uh, steel uh, at Sterling Boilers, like big, big. Uh, they would go out and gut the the smokestacks and reline it. And anyway, but so I was up there with one of my brothers real quick. And um, we saw this theater. And it had all these people out there. So it's like a party atmosphere. And everybody's mm -hmm. running around. And, you know, guys dressed up in the, the hills and this and that. And then you got, you know, one of them dressed up like, you know, you know, Ratso and this and over here. And and know, I can, and I can just add, I, I, I feel your pain because my daughter uh, worked at the actual movie theater in New York City where this, where this began, where people began to dress up. And she wanted me to go. And I was so sort of frightened by it that my daughter might be turning into a pagan or something one of those freaks yeah i mean yeah. i know what you're saying i mean that was what happened with my brother and i think my brother was in his way well-intentioned and what's the whole you know the you know good intentions and the path of whatever but he was like well man don't you understand the those are all those are all guys dressed up like women and because i was like well it's really interesting it looks like it looks like a fun thing you know He's like, no, man, those are those are guys, you know. You're a young guy, man. They're gonna they're gonna take you and do all this and that. And I was like, oh, I didn't understand till years later, the learning about how these people, which I didn't know, I just thought, oh, these are predators are gonna come get me. Had nothing to be being gay or what, which wow. I'm like, whatever. But and the, understand this was like, and I wasn't even thinking of that part. I was thinking more of a kind of a more like a satanic feeling to the whole thing in a weird kind of way because they were talking about laughing about meatloaf. They were gonna. And Tim Curry did seem kind of edgy when I was way younger. Right. Well, now I, I now I think it's now I look at it and it's hilarious. Right. I mean it's I mean it's not it's not quite kitschy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it's campy and it's in, in in the best possible sense of the word. Um, and I, I simply love it. In fact, usually when uh, when we have Thanksgiving, because <laughs> you think of you know like cutting the turkey, that's became had became our Thanksgiving ritual. We would have family over. So I love having new family because it would freak them out and mm -hmm. go, "Hey, we're going to watch you know one of our shows," and you know think it's <laughs> here comes Rocky Horror, right? But uh -huh. uh, but yeah. no, it took it took me years and years down the road to figure out, oh, this is really cool, and these people are all different. So I I don't know. I never got. I'm still sitting here going. We're still worried about this. We're still worried about like a, a black guy and a white girl's dating. We're still worried about, you know, good God. I mean, let it go. Grow past it. These people are people. They have their rights to do whatever. And um, I don't know. I'm sorry. I sound, I sound like I'm preaching. No, but it, but, but, it, but it, it does. It still responds to what Bill was saying in the very beginning. The white race seems to be disappearing. But I want to say, what is the point of calling you a race in the first place? Only when it comes to your family's medical history and, and the tendencies of whatever your race is that way. But in terms of for hire and all that stuff and for whatever the reasons you Well, Nancy, in. races you know, were created to separate us and keep us at odds. Where there really is no white race or black race. Or, I know, but know. that's what I'm saying. We're all Why one race. Still... We're all a human race. It's just nationalities. Exactly. Well, I, mean, I understand what yeah. you're saying. There's the oh. thing of going – which. On, again, there's like there's one hand and there's the other hand. Like on one hand, I see what she's saying. Um, if you tend to have you know more uh, African American you know 
heritage. Yeah. Who you decides the percentage? Likely. Well, what I mean is, okay, I'm just saying. Yeah. Let's just say these guys look, you know, quote unquote, these guys look black or these guys look white. Okay. You might ask the person who looks more quote unquote black. Um, is there a history of sickle cell in your family? Because that's, as I understand, a higher right. than average, you know, I don't see that as profiling. I, see I think, it. I think we're moving to that kind of a place. I always think we're going to end up just like in Star Trek and in uh, foundation, you know, the Isaac Asimov's view of the future in which, Everybody's respected for their accomplishments or their ideas. Well, the diversities, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, I mean, okay, if you want to talk about Star Trek and you want to start talk about Star Wars, okay. Uh, obviously, I was one of those kids. It's the first movie I ever really got to see uh, as a little kid was Star Wars. But understand, even Same being here. like, okay, being like a little sci-fi nut, I was always a horror nut. You know, I grew up on Vincent Price and, mm -hmm. and all his Poe adaptations and, and all that great stuff, which... You know, I mean, I did see The Exorcist when I was about six, so it probably explains why I'm so messed up and, and have an interest in this. But, mm. but that was a hard one to walk off. But yeah. it's, one of those, it's one of those. I never, I never had the courage to see it. It's uh, there is something different about the whole film. I don't know a way, maybe the way because the it's it, true. It's, no, you know, actually, no, you know, you know what actually happened. happened. I'm talking beyond that. I mean, I, I do think I, I, do, I do think the meat of the story, and that's the thing about like like with the stories I've wrote, it is based, it is wrote, written as fiction, but it's all based on true events. It's all absolutely, yeah. But bad things, bad things can happen. We we personally, Bill and I, and our family cannot do anything with Amityville Horror. There's something about certain stories which are kind of like foul for your particular self, and you shouldn't wallow <coughs> in them. And, you sh and if you do, it brings bad luck. It seems. I'm just saying. I do think that uh, okay, it's kind of a sticky wicket. Let me think. Let me have. Let me word this right. I do believe, and I have noticed uh, in the times that I was doing a lot more investigations because I do have an investigations team, the Caldwell County Paranormals, and we would go check out different places. We are not one of these come at me, bro guys. We're not there to stir anything up. It's like, what's going on with the family? Okay, you have, you have different things going on. How can we do this respectfully? This isn't about perform for us, whatever this thing is. It's not about freaking the family out or stirring things up. It's like, how can we make things better? What do you want us to do? You want us to bless the house? Do you want us to do some research? Uh, is it not something that so much freaks you out? You just want to know what it is? That's how we go at it. Hmm. I, I really chafe at this uh, aggro sort of oh, TV. It's TV uh, acting, basically. Well, yeah. Performing for the camera instead of for real life. But how how many kinds of cases have you covered? Well, I'm excited. We've been on, good Lord, um, if I had to put a number on it, of, of actual documented everything, I'm, I'm sure up in the hundreds. Wow, that's really that'd be, something. Well, and I mean, how do you record the cases you do? Well, like I said, and, and understand this was a thing where initially uh, it kind of grew out of a weird body sort of barometer-ish type quality and that's not that's not a word but i'll explain mm -hmm. okay do you know like um like initially we would go somewhere maybe a little small voice recorder something like that or maybe a temperature gauge or something like that right walk into an area and i just develop this sort of thing and when i say this it's probably gonna sound like a benny hen thing and it's not that at all i'm not a demonologist i'm not anything like that but 
when I'd go into an area, I would kind of have my hand out in front of me to feel like it's any change in the air because obviously your hands are very sensitive. And if I caught an area that felt very cool or felt weird, I would start asking some questions with, with the recorder, write mm-hmm. down the time, you know, where on the tape it was, you know, and if there's still seems like activity going on, I'll get them to take pictures. A lot of times we would get something on something on the film. Then as the temperature changes or whatever the pressure change sometimes can be there without even the variance in temperature, then I would say take more pictures and then whatever maybe was there generally is never there again. And it's a totally cleared area. It's not blackened. It's not orbish. It's not anything like that. And that's kind of how it started out. And it all built up, built up from that. But, you know, we would try to, again, have somebody as the scribe that obviously as you go through, you sort of mark, okay, well, it was about this time we're catching a voice. We're in room three. The time is this, this and that. You would obviously, if you're catching things outside, you want to make sure, well, it's what phase of the moon in. Maybe is there more you know, electromagnetic storms, solar storms? You know, I did try to go at it as scientifically as I could. Mm-hmm. And that works well, but especially when you get a larger team, it gets messy. You know, so you have to really get these guys to sit down and go, look, we're not chasing demons. We're not chasing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I didn't call it the Cole County Ghost Hunter Society or the Cole well, County. Well, how, how, long, how long have you been in uh, together? We have been doing that since about eh, just about 2000, 2010, 2011. Wow. Uh, wow. And understand, too, you know, especially uh, having special needs kids, and especially this last year, uh, um, it's it's been harder and harder. But mm-hmm. this thing of going out doing small revisits to area to areas, to basically to keep your, your chops, if you want to call it that, up. Right, but also it sounds like you're really helping well, it sounds like it's got almost like a kind of a nursing quality to it for troubled know, souls. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I laugh at that because it's one of those sort of things that um, I, I I have no delusions of grandeur that I'm out here, you know, Mother Teresa of the um, paranormal world. But especially my wife, because my wife is involved with it, Cheyenne, and she is also pretty sensitive on stuff. She's actually a lot better when it comes to children's spirits, which we've encountered, uh, there's an area here called LBL, which is land between the lakes. And this whole area had gotten reclaimed to turn it into a large nature reserve. It comes all the way from around the other side of Edible, which is a little, just a little bit west of, uh, of the penitentiary, and goes all the way down into an area called Dover, Tennessee, which there's been a lot of Civil War battles and stuff. Well, anyway... These old homesteads got knocked down and the areas were reclaimed. But we started finding, especially in graveyards, that there was just a, a just an overwhelming amount of children, like little little kids. Like you see five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten graves of like one year olds. And I thought, well, this must have been from a horrible house fire or something that all these kids died at once. But there were all different families. There was all this, this and that. And as I researched it, there was a an outbreak, I believe it was Spanish flu, and it decimated just like a whole generation of, of these people. Oh, it would have been 1914. Right. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah. And it, guys, it, guys, guys, we have to wrap up. Oh, we yeah, We got to right. go. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is because I'm brought fascinated about the, you the know, big guns. Your paranormal team really I, it does excite me. So uh, we're going to stay in contact because I want to find out more about that. Mm-hmm. But we have to go. So I want to thank Steve Asher for being our guest. Well, Before we go. 
why don't we give uh, Steve here a chance to plug uh, his book one more oh, time? Oh, Steve, plug your book. Website, I you know. It's up on the website. Oh, it's fine. Yes, like I said, it's the Hauntings of the Kentucky State Penitentiary, and you can go on Amazon.com. You can go to Simon & Schuster, who's carrying it through Permuted Press. Through Permuted Press, it's available uh, online at Simon & Schuster, Walmart so Online, Barnes & Noble. Right, and there. at FutureTheater.com as well. Awesome. The link Good. is all set up. Okay, so uh, thank you, Steve. Um, thank you for playing. And so your book is up on our site. And we are your co-hosts, Bill. That's me and Nancy. Good night, everybody. Burns, and we are broadcasting on Future Theater Live from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Solberry Village on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network. And we will be back next week with our guest, who will be Deborah Jane East. Deborah yes. Jane. And so, thanks for joining Good us, night. everybody. And we will. Uh, Try to stay cool during this heat wave, and we will all see you again back on Future Theater next Monday night. Good night. <laughs>